This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management. Now on Talk Radio We're going to become extinct. In fact, in some cases, we're close to being extinct right now. Presented by Weinerman Pain and Wellness, serious doctors for serious injuries, and powered by the law offices of Pond, Lee Hockey, Stern, Giordano. Talk, listen, and speak to the region's most influential leaders. It's Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT and a happy St. Patrick's Day to the Delaware Valley as we come to you on Talk Radio 1210. We're presented by Weinerman Payne and Wellness. We're powered by Pond Lahaki. We're fueled by the Sinesta Hotel where every month we do our Labor Leader Roundtable uh, and we're driven, of course, by Jim Stevenson and our good friends uh, at Chapman Ford. Also back on board with us, uh, as we mentioned last uh, week uh, on the big show, uh, great Adventure, now partnering back up again with Saturday Night Live uh, with Philly Labor. And this year, Jay doc we're going to do something a little bit different. We're going to do a live broadcast to kick off the summer of 2018 from Great Adventure. We're going to pull uh, some people together. We're going to make a big family outing up there, and I'm looking forward to it. It should be a lot of fun uh, to kick off the summer of 2018. Absolutely, and, and what people may not know is Great Adventure is a, a union theme park. 100% union. And so, I mean, you know, we're obviously proud of them, proud of the sponsorship. We're going to see, Joe, if we can do the broadcast from the Ferris wheel and get the boss Pat Iding up there. <laughs> not sure we'll be able to do that, but it will be a fun. We'll have a, some planning and some uh, a lot of announcements here on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Also, over the next couple of weeks, you're going to hear about the 31st annual All-Star Labor Classic, which is scheduled uh, for April 8th. It is the 31st annual uh, All-Star Labor Classic. And I did want to take a moment uh, to uh, send uh, not only... Um, uh, wishes uh, to the family, but certainly our condolences and all our thoughts uh, to Jim Sullivan from Local 690, who passed away. Pat, as you know, his stamp and his um, his impact uh, on the All-Star Labor Classic uh, was felt uh, for the first 30 will be felt for the next 30. Uh, very influential, as Wayne Miller described to me at the PCL uh, Championships just a couple of weeks ago. Uh, a really unbelievable man. You know what, Joe? That, that's, that's good to credit that. But you, you have to go deeper and wider with Jim Sullivan because he also was maybe the main mover and shaker of the Philadelphia Building Trades softball. League, oh, my God, yeah. Which, by the way, was a way to bring folks together at a time Listen, there's always differences of opinion, especially in the trades, because they they tend to look the same, even though there are other trades belong to other trades, you know, the jurisdiction thing. But having those softball games, you, you had young folks that were playing softball, uh, and believe it or not, believe it or not, in the early games, Pat Eining played somewhere in left field. I oh, think, my God. Like until I moved up to third base and got my glasses broke. But other than that, <laughs> it was, it was, you know, folks would then go on a job instead of making, you know, thumbing their nose at another trade. You would hear them say, hey, Jim, what are you, where are you playing tomorrow night? You know, it just – and Jim Sullivan himself was, was, the, was the, the, the ambassador oh. that was at every game. I, I don't know. God bless his family, oh, he, you know. And he's got a uh, big family. Yes, he does. Yes, he does. Uh, Jim, and, Jim Sullivan, so I coached the Ironworkers team for five years. 
and Jim Sullivan. There's too much, by the way. <laughs> let me, well, let me say this. My dad has constantly told us that we've been in the league since day one. We still hadn't won a trophy, so and we're still working on that. Um, but here's the thing. Jim was an ambassador for the league. He was the commissioner of the league. One of the great guys in the building trades, his sons, unbelievable. The Sullivan family are unbelievable people. Uh, local and tough. City. His kids were tough. Oh, yeah. Tough kids. Oh, my God. And I, w- I remember running when I was working in Center City and, we, you know, running into Jimmy on the L. And uh, the whole Sullivan clan, just our, our hearts go out to them. Thoughts and present, local yeah. 690. Um, what a tremendous human being. Unbelievable. The power of the stories, Pat. The power of the many stories, some told, some never yeah. told, uh, some purposely, and then some for uh, for reasons that people don't want their story told. So many good people uh, make up this unbelievable network within the union community, and I think Jim was a perfect example of that. Well, no question about it. I mean, Jim Jim is, is a legend of 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 his type i mean there there's different types of legends you know some folks are more out front you know in the in the news media and stuff like but jim was the kind of person who brought people together in ways that were just natural it was it wasn't he didn't need he didn't need front page because he, he was able to bring people together and on a sad note and i and i don't have any information but uh a a, a tremendous legend is a fellow by the name of Bob Sweeney, who headed up the iron workers in New Jersey, happens to be the father of Senator Sweeney, passed away. Oh. And I just got that word today. And uh, there, you talk about stories, Joe, and, and, you know, especially in New Jersey. And you, you should know when I represented Local 14, and Local 14 still, we represented members that in New Jersey. We had jurisdiction in Jersey. So, you know, we were part of both labor movements, the Jersey labor movements. And, and Bob Sweeney and the stories that I wouldn't even venture to tell on, on radio because, first of all, people would think I was lying. And, se- and second of all, uh, some of them are really hard to believe. But God bless him. Um, he did leave a, live a long life and uh, did a lot of great work in New Jersey. And uh, another person who in their own way was a leader. But, uh, uh, you know, it's sad times. And, and that's two really great people that, in my mind, and fortunately I've been able to live for a few years, so I've, I've met some great people. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. It's our President's Hour with Pat Eiding of the AFL-CIO. We're going to cover a lot of topics today on this St. Patrick's Day uh, Saturday around the Delaware Valley. So settle in, buckle up, uh, and enjoy some good conversation. Pat, I think it's appropriate that we start and we look back, um, and J-Doc and I were talking about this in some of the pre-show, we look back at the day of action because that day of action was a significant um, and very meaningful, uh, very visual um, demonstration and show of uh, unity amongst everyone. You know, Joe, we, we talked about that the last time we talked, and I will tell you that one of my, you know, there's a few days you have a little bit more, you're a little bit more proud than you are other days, but with me here, my, my pride comes when the labor movement comes together and they stand together. And I will tell you that that Workers' Day of Action had every union you could imagine was there. Community people were there. But, you know, a lot of folks will, will at one point would have stepped back and said, well, this issue that's in the Supreme Court is for public sector, folks who work for the public, work for the city, work for the state. It's an attack on collective bargaining. 
And and what our our labor movement here in Philadelphia showed me that day, they understand that an attack on one is an attack on all. And we use that term a lot. But, you know, truer words are never spoken than they were that Saturday. And uh, God bless the papers. I don't know how they have to how they count. We had one organization own. They had a thousand of their own, let alone all the others. And, and they were saying hundreds. If we didn't have 3000 plus at that at that plaza, we didn't have anybody. And that, and that plaza is pretty good size. And they were swelling over onto the sidewalks. They were out into the street. Uh, when SEIU come marching up from from uh, Penn's Land, uh, from the uh, Independence Hall, you know, it, it just swelled all over. And it was a day with 3,000 plus with no incidents. You know, here's this bad labor movement, you know. We were out there to a message. The message are that working people have some rights. And I think that message was, was well presented. The people who talked were workers. They weren't all Pat Idings and those. I mean, I had a challenge of trying to keep it on schedule and, and with all the important things that had to be done. And, and uh, oddly enough, we had two accomplishments. One, the good guy upstairs looked down on us, and he didn't he didn't rain until the thing was over. We were almost exactly on schedule to 12 o'clock. Uh, in our world, that's a, that's, a, that's a rarity itself, especially with – in the beginning of the day, the folks who were on that stage, whether they were state state senators, United States Congress people, all kinds of labor leaders, and we moved them off the stage so workers could come up there and be the center of attraction. And that's what it was. So we, now, President Trumpka from our national AFL-CIO and, and President Henry from the, uh, from the SEIU, they had a day, but there were no politics. There were no political speeches. It was all workers. And... Uh, I think maybe because we don't talk enough to our members, maybe having the members talk to us or the workers talk to us or don't, don't have the luxury of being a, a represented, I think that's what kind of made the day even better. And so uh, it was a success. Now there's some talk for other things that, that might be in a win, MLK's uh, 50th year, those things, but that day has to be held the way it was because it, it did what we intended it to do, bring the, bring the workers' problems and, and, and what's, what the, this right-wing people in Washington and Pennsylvania are trying to do to working people. And what's amazing is, and I know we only got a couple seconds, but President Trump, there was, there was uh, demonstrations across the country, days of actions across the country, and, and President Trump from the AFL-CIO chose Philadelphia. And what, a, what an incredible spectacle of leadership and working people uh, getting our message across um, so, I mean, just an incredible day. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. It's our special uh, show uh, during the month of March. It's our President's Hour with Pat Eiding, president of the AFL-CIO, uh, sitting in with us. We'll take a commercial break. We'll return to Talk Radio 1210 WPHD. I've been coming out of step with them guys, okay? And mm-hmm. I was a treasurer to Democratic Party. You know, I've been a loyal Democrat my whole life. But I've told people, and it hasn't just, like I told you, it just didn't resonate with this election. If you look at the last few years, I've been telling people we have to become a little bit more individual. We have to be more of our own brand. Mm-hmm. We have to do a better job of becoming a business. And we're back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, all powered by the Sinesta Hotel, where every month uh, we'll do our Labor Leader Roundtable. Uh, Jay Doc and the Labor Leader Roundtables that we have done at the Sinesta have been spectacular. Uh, so far, what a great spot uh, for us to uh, settle in once a month uh, and go live from the Sinesta. Absolutely. One thing I want to say before I, you know, I'd be remiss if I didn't say it and follow up on uh, on Pat Iding's, um comments about 
Bob Sweeney, uh, being an iron worker, obviously, I want to send my condolences out to the entire Sweeney family. Uh, uh, unbelievable legend, and uh, I know Pat, you just got the call, so I, it's the first time I heard it. So just thoughts and prayers to the whole family and to all the iron workers who were suey. We'll, we'll miss him, um, no question about it. Um, so I want to uh, segue into Richie Laser. Uh, yeah, made a big announcement well, on the man, show just a couple man, of weeks ago. So, so Richie came on the, on, on a show. I was last week and, and um, talked about his candidacy. Uh, you know, he's, he's going to be running for Bob uh, for Congress and Brady's uh, seat, and it's now the, you know because of the redistricting, the fifth fifth congressional district. Um, and uh, he talked about his commitment to labor and working people, and, and that's you know, obviously where the district is. And he's got big shoes to fill, but um, you know, obviously we were supporting you know a lot of support there. Well, listen, let, let me let me say. Prior to Richie Laser announcing that he's going to run for Congress, uh, he has been a a great great access a- access to the mayor, to getting things done in this city, and and folks should realize that things have been done at a a fair pace. Everything has been given its due time for discussion and debate, and contracts were were signed. There were project labor agreements. Richie Laser has the quality to have people talk when maybe they want to walk and uh you know that that maybe that sounds corny on the radio but in our world that's very important because you never get anything resolved unless you talk and as soon as you you know you as Pat Gillespie said vote with your feet and walk away then there's no resolve and Richie Laser is a master at it very laid back low-keyed I mean even though he comes from South Philly he's he's not real flamboyant but he's tenacious. Uh, he follows everything up. And and listen, we had a great, great congressman for the people, for working people and Bob Brady. Uh, Richie's got the potential and and I think the quality to be as good as and maybe even better because he's getting a good start in a tough time. Uh, but we have to remember one thing. This is not Bob Brady's district. This is not running up the river wards all the way up the Delaware River to Tarsdale. This is, you know, a big part of it's in Delaware County. And, uh, you know, folks in Delaware County, and rightly so, they have a uh, they have a uh, tendency to want to have somebody from Delaware County, especially considering that part of it. And, and by the way, Bob Brady always, in his early days, always had a piece of Delaware County. So, uh, and yet when, you know, when and I remember when Egan and uh, I think it was Egan was another name, but when they ran uh, out of Delaware County and, and that was the base there, we supported them in Philly. It wasn't, it wasn't a case we had to cut them, but if they were for working people, we supported them. So what we're trying to do, and by, by the way, we're, I would have to say we're unanimous in Philadelphia, the labor movement supporting Richie Laser for the congressional, 5th Congressional District, the brand-new 5th Congressional District. Uh, I will tell you that uh, last Tuesday we had a vote here. Uh, we don't do endorsements. The state has to do that. But I will tell you that last Tuesday we, rec- we, we had a vote to recommend Richie to the state for endorsement, and that's a big deal. Uh, well, you know, once the state endorses, and they generally follow our recommendation, then all the the labor things, labor to labor, and the things we do uh, during elections from the labor movement will go towards Richie getting elected. So, uh, I, you know, you brought him up. I'm glad you did. Uh, we're not at liberty to say, you know, we endorsed him last Tuesday, but we can say that we expect that the state will follow our, our lead and endorse him. 
what's u- unique and, and novel about it is we won't do our other endorsements till the 21st of March. So there's enough movement. And, and, you know, I'm the chair and I'm the president, but, you know, I move with the will of our officers. And we have 42 officers, 35 of vice presidents. And at that meeting uh, back in, when we had the meeting last Tuesday, the, the uh, number of people who came to the meeting were better than 50% of the voting members, plus other folks who come to the meeting. So it's a, it's, a rare, it's a rare case when you have that much going forward politically all at once so early. But I think because it's Delaware County and Philadelphia to mix, and I think because he's so highly thought of and, and so much expected of him, uh, you're, you're going to see... Uh, if you know if he becomes the candidate, you're going to see labor work harder than they've worked in a long time for a candidate. And, and Richie, you know, like you said, you know, he's a South Philly guy, but he didn't have that big, you don't, don't have that big personality that you would, you know, like that, that stereotypical big personality. But he's he's all substance, and what a heart, and what a, what a guy who champions the work in person. That's what I know people are going to get. Plus, he's a correspondent on the radio show, so we're proud of him, um, and. Uh, you know, we, we, you know, we, we, there's a lot of work to be done, and like you said, Pat, the district has changed. So, um, you know, we're talking about. Uh, you Delaware think that County. presents a problem, Pat? When the, the, this could is this an example of how the redistrict, how the redistricting uh, of the districts presents an issue? Well, sure. I think I think you know. First of all, we needed it. We needed it so bad it wasn't funny, and we, who knows what's the best breakdown of, of the regions who knows but in this situation it changes it now if you think back when when me and got his big territory uh that's when bob look brady got his territory you know in the early days bob was you know southwest philly i don't know exactly southwest philly and delaware county the last time when they changed everything he moved from that right up the river and you know that's working people up the river that's you know that's blue collar stuff you know and uh and so it does make a difference because uh, the folks in Delaware County, certainly, as we are in Philly, you're, you know, we're homers and we like that. But here's what you have in Delaware County. You have a lot of folks in Delaware County that belong to Philadelphia unions and Philadelphia building trades and, and, and working people. And when we do we do look-see that, you know, organized labor alone in Delaware County and Philadelphia in that district are, are pretty big part and you if you tie them together with maybe one or two in their family the numbers start looking really good but the other thing i think is important and i think this is this is where richie comes from it wasn't just for organized labor those folks that he helped out at the airport that were making seven dollars an hour and working any hours that the company wanted them to make you know through his efforts working with the union's efforts and the community efforts and folks from city council we were able to raise them up overnight from seven dollars an hour to twelve something an hour they, you know, these people, all of a sudden, they're able to take care of their family. And they are the community people. And, you know, the, the misnomer, I think, because he's deputy mayor for labor was, uh, not anymore right now, but uh, he, he, that didn't stop him in the community. I mean, he's a community leader, leader in South Philadelphia and has been for a long time. So I think, to answer your question, yes, it presents a situation. I mean, in some areas, it probably, you know, almost people salivating because it's going to put things in their wheelhouse a little better than it was. And, you know, uh, the second might be like that, where it moves everything back to Philly instead of Montgomery County. Uh, some in Montgomery County is another one. So, yeah, the, the demographics have changed so much that people are looking at who it helps and who it don't. And, and the, what we have to do in, in Delaware County is 
make sure they get to know who Richie Laser is as a person and, and what he would be as a, a United States congressperson. And, and I think uh, that's doable. But, you know, of course, the first step's the primary, and that's where the biggest part of it is. I think if, if he wins the Democratic position, then I think he gets elected. This there, is, there's nobody going to beat him there. This is Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. It's a special President's Hour with Pat Eiding, president of the AFL-CAO, joining us here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. We'll continue the dialogue after the break. I won't participate on behalf of ourselves here at Local 98 or the Philadelphia Building Trades in conversations that are purely dominated on social issues that don't affect our jobs. Back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor. Talk Radio 1210, WPHD, presented by Weinerman Payne in Wellness. Shanna, and also a shout-out to our good friend Jim Stevenson from up at uh, Chapman Ford, who was able to make our last labor leader uh, roundtable. Jimmy's been doing some good work, and he's been working so much with the labor community for so many, many, many years. Um, I know he, I know his name isn't on the building up there at Chapman Ford, uh, J-Doc, but it certainly should be. He has done an amazing uh, job. He has done an amazing job. There's, there's no doubt about it. I don't think there's too many people in, in the public world that uh, support labor more than Jimmy does. He really Jim, does. Jimmy it's does. It's just an amazing thing. Totally he, he, uh, he thinks, you know, he thinks about it when he's doing his everyday business. He thinks about it when he's playing golf. He thinks about it all. And what I mean by thinking about it, that's not the only thing on his mind, obviously, but he doesn't let that get away. Sure. You know, the rights of working people and, and fairness, and, and that's a big deal. And and it and it's demonstrated by, you know, the commitment to to uh, Jimmy and the job he does. I mean, you know, labor leaders across the board, union members, the whole deal, you know, they're looking for a car. They're looking for Jimmy Stevenson. So talking about commitment, uh, you know, uh, I'm kind of proud of our mayor, the person we supported, and, and I'm proud of the work he does. Uh, sometimes I... I worry about him because he's trying to fix a lot of things all at once, and it's that's a tough, it's a tough enough job when you're the mayor. But when you're trying to fix things that have been broke for a long time, it's uh, it gets a little tougher. But uh, I will tell you, I've been proud to be appointed by him to be on the uh, the 13 people evaluating applications for Philadelphia School Board, and and you know the the idea of having our own school board. Uh, is is something that's been argued and fought for for a long time. The state never did us justice here in Philadelphia. We still don't have a fair education for all our neighborhood kids. Um, things are split up. The funding's not there. And the mayor's trying to, he's really trying to pull these things together. And he gets criticized for the, for the sugar tax. He gets criticized for this. But guess what? Who else is doing anything? You know, nobody in the state's doing anything. There's nobody else trying to raise money. And he's he literally is trying to make sure that every neighborhood has a good education for their kids, and and that we shouldn't be satisfied till that happens. However, we get the money, and I got to tell you, I, I'll get beat up about taxes and stuff like that. We got to make sure these kids have a chance to have be educated and and have a future. And so, I'm into whatever it takes. Now, I might even get beat up beat up family wise. I don't know. Nobody likes taxes, but how else are you going to do it? I mean, sure. you got to take care of it. So. He put us together to do this job, at the, to come together with folks to be recommended to him. And by what folks don't understand, this whole thing, change in the charter, was done by a guy by the name of Michael Nutter. Not Mayor Nutter. Michael Nutter, the council person. Right. So when people want to criticize the procedure and the process and, you know, these things, Jim didn't set the stage. He's working through the through the situation. And and the group of people he he selected 
you couldn't get a, a more diverse group of people to take a fair evaluation of a process. I mean, you had a banker, you had a, a labor guy, you had community persons, you had teachers. You, I mean, you, you could take across the city of Philadelphia and somebody on that committee is, is involved in, that, in somewhere in the city. The other process, which was done completely hands-off by the mayor, I have to tell you, and I said this publicly, very proud to be part of it. Uh, you know, as I said at the at the public meeting, I've been involved in a lot of different things in politics. This is the most straightforward uh, procedure that I've I've ever been involved in. You you couldn't have anybody interrupt or interface with us because it was all done individually. Five hundred applications plus, you know. So uh, great process. I I wish the mayor well in his selection. Uh, he uh, you know he's got a he's got a tough job ahead of him. But I have to tell you what's more important that I want to talk about now, that having a school board is not going to be the answer. That's going to be the beginning. And I will tell you, once that school board is sitting, you know, we've been criticized as a committee already. But once that school board is is sitting, they are going to have the world coming at them. Because, listen, we've been waiting 16 years to change things. Sure. And people are going to want to know, why didn't you do that yesterday? You know, if if the board is sitting for a week... You're going to have somebody come up to their first meeting, wherever it may be, and I don't know the structure yet because that's not part of what I'm involved in. They're going to be saying, well, what are you going to do now? You're here. you know." So, And uh, I can relate to that because, you know, uh, when I first got elected in my local union, that was a question posed to me right away. What are you going to do? Sure. And, and I remember uh, on a union meeting when we, we were reporting about a, a non-union position problem, and I had a, a young man get up on the floor or stand up, and he pointed his finger. He said, well, what are you going to do about it? And I said to them, you know what? And this is one of my early meetings. I said, I don't know right now. I said, but I'll be back next meeting to tell you. Right. And I came back the next meeting, and I said, here's what we're going to do about it. We're going to take those, mem- we're going to take those workers in as members of Local 14. That's what we're going to do about So. You don't know, you know, when, when these things start out like that. And, and most labor leaders come off the scaffold or they come out of teaching in a school and become, become the leaders. It's a whole other world. You know, you know what you think it is, but you don't know. So the school board that's going to be put in place by the mayor, and, you know, I hope he has, uh, has the blessing of the big guy upstairs when he's making his choices, uh, they got a lot of things to fix, you know. Uh, you know, we got a big debate going on with the mayor's budget now because in it it has some taxes for, for schools. But unless we can get the state or somebody, I mean, there's, you know, I'm jumping a little bit. There's there's lawsuits going on now that the, the courts say are legal lawsuits to try to make the state do a fair evaluation of how they put their money into the school systems. It's, it's definitely not fair. So there's a lot going, but it, it'll, it'll begin. It won't be fixed. But you begin with the school board when when the when the mayor gets finished, uh, and he's pretty close to being finished. Uh, and then from there, they got a tremendous job ahead of them. Pat, the- but I, I just wanted to bring it up because it, you know there's there's a lot of things I get appointed to, and sure. that was a big deal for me. And I was very proud to represent Labor here. And the and the candidates, and I know you can't talk about anybody in particular, but or, or, uh, you know you talk about impressive people and people that are committed to obviously making a difference. Um, but in many ways, they're walking into the crosshairs. Well, the reality, yeah. I, th- I, I think the lesson here, J-Doc, as Pat said, now the work begins. 
Absolutely. Now the work begins. Right. And the other thing is this. I mean, we've wanted, uh, you know, we wanted to disband the SRC for a long time so that we can have a school board that has a front row seat to the problems here in Philadelphia. Um, And but like Pat said, it's not that simple. But look, we have to. You know, I always say this. Nobody like you just said, Pat, no one likes taxes. uh, God, you know, but you just don't wake up on Monday morning and the trash trucks just appear. In other words, the schools just don't, they don't pay for themselves. And if we don't pay or if we don't find a way to do this, and I, listen, we need smart people in there to make sure we're as efficient as we can get. But I often said with, with, with Mayor Kenny, look, he's in a difficult position. And one thing I admire about him is that he makes the, 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 the hard decisions and, he's, and he doesn't make the political ones. You know, the soda tax was a difficult tax and it, he knew it wasn't going to be popular, but the city council also felt the same way. It was a no winner when it came to politics, but they did what they had to do in order to help our city. And, and, and the, the, the city of Philadelphia with the school system and with the new school board, we're, they're going to have a, they're going to be right in the middle of it. They're in Philadelphia. They're not going to be easy decisions, but we're going to have good people there. And, and, and thanks to Pat and, and the committee. And, and it is impressive to, to understand that it was a, 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 a and now you had mentioned the process, long days and oh, a yeah. lot of vetting, yeah. Yeah. I mean, you know, yeah. to, to get it done. And it's still going on. So, you know, because nobody, uh, nobody, I, I, I don't think anybody can expect any any of this to be fast forward, push forward, because it is such a big decision the mayor has to make. And 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 listen, when he when he's done, he's got to have a board that's uh, that represents. And I know we hear this a lot. Represents the city, cross section of the city, right? Uh, listen, the the, the 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 unfairness of what happens in in the school systems right now, especially in Philadelphia. Is that and 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 I don't blame any parent wants to run to the best school, this best school. But those other schools that ha- the folks don't have a choice. They they don't make you know out of the thousand people who try to get into the the charter schools and you know those things. The schools that they're sending their kids to. I I've said this before. Many of them, if they were able to have computers, they'd have no place to plug them in, because the conditions of the schools are so bad. Sure. And you know we you got to have an environment for people to learn to make sure that they want to go there to learn. And putting somebody in a 100-year-old school that's falling apart, that doesn't have proper lighting, and doesn't have uh, the, the teachers don't have the equipment they need to teach, is not going to help these people. So hopefully that, those two pieces that the mayor's working on, trying to get a collaborative effort to how to fund it, uh, he's given out choices. If somebody's got a better idea, I'm sure he's open to listen, you know. Uh, and, you know, and we got to keep trying at the state level, too. And, uh, you know, there's another day for politics there, but that's that's the other place we got to start. And, and no question about it. And so, I mean, we're all, you know, I was all looking forward to, to, to seeing who's on the board. And uh, and we know the mayor is, is there's some tactics. I think it's a tough process. job. I, you know, I sit here trying to, uh, absorbing everything, uh, reading about it, of course, as the process has unfolded. Um, Pat, this may be the toughest job in the city. The job being on that board? Yeah. Absolutely. I mean, if anybody wants to step back, there's a lot of things you can step back and take a look at that, you know, maybe you have comments about until you step back, you don't know. But if anybody really wants to step back and sees the mountain of a job that this is to bring things together that folks have been, uh, you know, look, if it, if it took all these years for it to split apart is where it is. And how many, how many, uh, how many leaders for the school do we get? 
you know, before we have this one, the, the, the lady that came and, you know, got a, a golden parachute and left. We had all those things that happened. You had Vallis come in from Illinois, and his his goal was to build new buildings. But there was no, never any money. It always comes down to the money, you know. Good ideas, and, and but it always comes down to money. You know, uh, listen, Dr. Hyde, he, I mean, he's, he's, he's a good person. He's sure. trying with what he's got. you got to give him. And, and we know, Joe, if you work in a trade, you can't do a job without the tools. Sure. Teachers can't do a job without the tools. And guess what? Running a school can't be done without the tools. So, so these folks, when they come together, are having a lot of things they have to look at. They got to look at the funding. They got to look at the neighborhoods. They got to look at all the balance of everything. And uh, at the end of the day, try to move forward. It's the President's Hour with President of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, joining us here on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. We'll come back for our final segment uh, on this Saturday night. We thank our audience for tuning in and being a part uh, of the show. Happy one-year anniversary to Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, uh, our first full year in the books on Talk Radio 1210, WPHT. Back in a moment. I believe there's room, okay, for... The national building trades, the local building trades, that have partnerships with the Trump administration as it pertains to energy, as it pertains to infrastructure, as it pertains to the undocumented worker. And we're back here live on Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor on Talk Radio 1210 WPHT, powered by Pond Lahaki Stern and Giordano, the workers' compensation law firm. It's our special show on a Saturday night with the president of the AFL, uh, Pat Eiding, joining us. Uh, Pat, let me ask you about the tariff on steel, the tariff on aluminum. Uh, big news, big story, a lot of conversation, pro and uh, for and against. Well, and and I have to tell you, I I, uh, I guess because I have a couple of gray hairs in my temple. Uh, I'm looking at this in a broader picture, and uh, and that, that sounds dumb coming from me because I've been screaming about, you know, our our so-called friends in in, in South Korea dumping st- steel pipe and and putting our people out of business. Sure, I don't honestly know if it's across the board tariffs are the way to go. I I think uh, there's areas that folks have been getting away with murder with the rules and laws that we have. Nobody's enforcing them. So if you try to fix everything with one clean sweep, you could find yourselves being hurt in other areas. So uh, this president goes from the hip a little bit. And, and uh, in my early days, I did that often and many, many times because I had to pay for it later. But, but uh, you know, we've had recent meetings with the folks from Canada who, when you really look at it, they're really, you know, they're really tight, tight neighbors. And there, there's a lot of give and take there. You know, we don't have that with Mexico because we never, and, and I'll repeat something I've said before, uh, you know, about NAFTA. When I had a debate with a newspaper person uh, many years ago, I, I thought it was an idea, a good idea that went bad because the intent of it was to create more work for people in all, all three countries. And what we had was the, the, the Mexican uh, people in Mexico put all the jobs in the poorest part of the country so we couldn't compete with them. Mm-hmm. In Canada, because of the competition, they changed their value of their dollar. And we sat there and said, oh, you know, we did nothing. So here we are all these years. We've left all those folks who dump things here and get away with it. Uh, and, and listen, motivated by many of our businesses here who, who could, you know, get a windfall by jumping over there and then sending the stuff back, mm-hmm. not the least being Walmart. Sure. You know, what they have, what they call is predatory, predatory business, where if you didn't take your business – 
that they wanted to buy from you out to be it done in Taiwan or someplace else so they could get it cheaper, they'd stop doing business with you. And they were so big they could do that. So there's a lot of pieces to this. I, you know, our, listen, our AFL-CO is, is, is really, you know, patting Trump on the back for doing this. And I understand why they are, because we've been beat up so bad and lost so many jobs. But hopefully as we, as we go back and forth with the countries that we do, you know, have friendship with, uh, not the least being South Korea, that maybe this will wake them up and see that there's an imbalance that they're doing. They, they just can't keep dumping on us. That may be that may be the value of what what will come out of this, and uh, you know there will be threats back and forth. I I don't think it's as severe as uh, as the the Trump thing with North Korea. I mean that that's almost oh. childlike in a very dangerous situation. But this, if if it brings people to talk more about making this a fairer planet, because it's too you know the world's too small not to be dealing with other people. Uh, but we'll find that there, there's, there are some areas, and it may be Canada. I'm not sticking up for Canada only. I'm sticking up for our own country. But there may be areas there where they, they, it shouldn't be done with the same brush. And I don't know if we can do it differently. So that was a long answer to the question. But I will tell you that the, you know, here's, the, here's the headline, AFL-CO lords Trump's tariffs. That from a general perspective, I'm sure, from, you know, President Trump is saying, you know, too long we've been losing jobs. because I mean – Listen, I can segue into the Nabisco situation. I'm just thinking the same thing. You know, thing. Uh, Nabisco, all the years up there on a the boulevard that we knew, you could go up there and drive and smell the cookies and oh, all boy. that. They took their Oreos and took them to Mexico so they could get them cheaper, plus others. They put hundreds and hundreds, if not thousands of people out of work in that one pass move. And yet people walking in the store buying Oreos thinking they're still made up on, on Bo- Roosevelt Boulevard. And, and so, you know, those kinds of things have to be stopped. And maybe that's the way you do it. And maybe the other thing that it does, it wakes up our own businesses here from this country who are getting away with that. And that's that's probably, in my mind, that's probably more uh, uh, more damaging to our jobs. Uh, you know, it, they even did it in this country. I mean, you, you know, uh, when the Amorosa, Amorosa rolls, is it Amorosa? No, uh, no. I forget the name. They move so quick. But, but they for years they had big big thing here. They just moved someplace in Jersey so they get rid of the union, so they could pay people less. You know. So, I guess that's a long answer about the tariffs. I think, you know, if it creates the kind of dialogue that we need, I think it's great. But I think we have to be careful. I I think we have to be careful that it doesn't drive things the other way. Uh, but I, I agree with President Trump. It's, it's a move that maybe it's severe enough that somebody has to do it. it it got to be some good. If all the Republican right-wingers are so far against it, then there must be some good in there that we could find. But the, the, and, the, and the point you bring is that, it, you know, that, so you look at NAFTA and you look at a lot of the, the international trade agreements, and it's very difficult because the labor, the cost for labor is, 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 is so low in those areas that it creates an unfair uh, trade practice. And American companies that choose to stay in America and, and feed our economy and our workforce cannot compete. And when you look at Pat, that's exactly what I was thinking. I was thinking of the Bisco immediately where they took and they laid all those people. It's a traditional, Philadelphia tradition. Yep. And I mean, how long did we drive up the boulevard in the far northeast and, it, and, and make and, and, and smell those cookies? Those were jobs that left us. Well, listen, country. we're breaking, but let me tell you, the Misco, the Misco's got a problem because now we're invoking help from the Pope. 
So okay. now they're going to get it full blow now. All right. Saturday Night Live with Philly Labor, a special President's Hour with Pat Eiding. Pat, 30 seconds to uh, close the show. I'll give you the pulpit for 30 seconds, and then we'll say goodbye. Well, I, I just want to I just want to follow up with our discussions about the workers, uh, the the the, the, the uh, rally we had for one of another for working people. Uh, we we have a bill that we're working on. It's not a bill yet in City Council called the uh, Fair Work Week, and it's about it's basically about folks who have uh, less. Uh, earlier this last week, we had a, a, a hearing on it with the Councilwoman Jim. But we're trying to get other people involved, the chamber, business people, to understand this is not about changing corporate world. This is about those folks who have a very low-paying job at a fast food or even maybe another service, and they, they're not, they only get maybe three or four days a week, so they have to work two jobs. But the boss takes the advantage of not telling them uh, what their hours are, not telling them ahead of time. So it turns out that they wind up losing one of the jobs because they missed the time. Uh, it may be baby care, you know, you got, uh, you got single moms and single dads and they got to get the babies taken care of. If they don't know when they're working, they, you know, they can't adjust all those things. So we're trying to get that little middle portion of the thing. The people who are out there, the toughest people working for the littlest bit of money to try to have a fair work week. And I'm hoping we can get the collaboration with business, the community and labor to do something for these folks and make, make, make it so they can at least make some sort of a decent living for themselves and their family. Absolutely. President of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, joining us for his uh, special, the President's Hour here on Talk Radio 1210 uh, WPHT. We thank all of our listeners for tuning in on our one-year anniversary show. Thank you very much. Uh, on behalf of Congratulations. my uh, partner, uh, Jay Doc, and of course the president of the AFL-CIO, Pat Eiding, joining us here. Uh, I'm Joe Krause. See you next time, everybody. This program is a paid commercial announcement and in no way represents the views of WPHT or its management.